Normally I would continue the series on the book of Acts, but I really didn't change my message because of Memorial Day, which would be a normal thing to do. In fact, I mostly have a message done on Acts chapter 15, and uh, but I felt like the Lord was leading me in a different direction. So I'm going to preach a different message, and I'll tie in Memorial Day a little bit to that. I'm going to read today from Matthew chapter 13, two verses, and then we'll flip to Proverbs 23. And if you need a headset, if you would like Spanish translation, that is available. If you, if you don't have one, you would like one, would you just raise your hand, everybody? Okay. So appreciate Belky and her willingness and oftentimes of translating so that people can hear it in their, uh, as some would say, their heart language, which is their first language, so they can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ better. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Then Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So for just a little while today, I want to preach on this subject, the value of the kingdom, the value of the kingdom. God bless you. I... I'm not a big stock market guy. I don't go out and buy individual stocks. I have a couple of different retirement accounts, both of them primarily mutual funds where you just buy into a pre-arranged group of stocks and, and they kind of as a whole will go up and down and, and as that goes, so goes your, the value of your retirement account. There are people who do a lot of things in the stock market, a lot of people who make a lot of money. And the way it works in in essence is this, and the reason that people do it is because companies will sell shares of their company. They will divide it up into so many shares, whether it's 100,000 or a million shares, and then people will buy shares of stock because they believe that the company is going to continue to grow or the company is going to continue to make money. However, when projections aren't met and the revenue doesn't, it doesn't hit the markers or the expenses outweigh or they have a recall, like baby formula, or they have a recall on Jeff peanut butter, I hear that's going on. When things of that nature happen, then the value that people place on those stocks begins to drop. And the money that they have put in, if they bought it at $100 and it went up to $200 and then something goes wrong, well then it drops and maybe it drops below that $100 threshold and now they're losing money. It is... Uh, an up and down game it is in essence if i could say it this way and and i'm not opposed to the stock market but it's a form of gambling you're giving money hoping that you can make some additional money and you never know and and the the smaller the company or the more volatile the market then the the more risk that you place out there and so you could give your hundred dollars a share and it could be worth 22 cents if you're not careful 
It goes up and down. Its value changes. And people determine that value based mostly on supply and demand. But long before the stock market, long before things of that uh, nature ever came about, that even before money as we know it today, where you would give people money for something, there was a bartering system where you had something that somebody else needed or wanted and they had something that you needed or wanted and so you would take your good and you would swap it for theirs. That maybe you had, you had an animal but you needed some vegetables or you needed some flour or you needed other things and you could swap. You didn't have to sell it and go and try to find cash. You could just swap one thing for another. And, and individuals would place the value on those items. They would determine, is what you're giving me worth what I'm giving you? Do I hold it in the same value? Well, we went from bartering to various means of exchange and now we have of uh, the cryptocurrency market as people are buying digital, digital coins and it's going up and down. In fact, the last few weeks it's been on a downward spiral. Spiral may be the, the wrong word, but at least a downward trend. But governments are trying to get into the crypto market. In the U.S., Biden, President Biden just signed something on May 9th to try to govern and to re- uh, regulate digital currencies and Whole countries, in fact, El Salvador being one of them, they just went to all cryptocurrency because their regular currency wasn't any good. It was not of any value. China is setting up their own cryptocurrency. And there's a lot of things in the world today related to value and related to how people value what they have and what you have that they want. You go to the store and you decide if your $5 is worth that item that you're buying at the grocery store and in case you haven't been paying attention your five dollars won't buy the same thing it did a year ago at the grocery store as prices have gone up but when people are making and placing value on things sometimes they make good investments and sometimes though they make bad exchanges where they give up something that's more valuable than what they receive, that that the thing that they're offering to someone else is really far in excess of the value for what they're getting. The Bible gives us an example of this with Jacob and Esau. They are twins. They, They are twins, but they're not close. They're not like most twins. In fact, in some ways, they seem more like enemies where they... They're not really fond of each other and they're jealous of one another in various ways. And Jacob, his mom, he's the favorite of his mom. And Esau, he's the favorite of his dad. And anytime you have that in a family, it creates difficulty. Esau one day is out hunting. He's been out on a journey. He's been hunting and he comes back from his his hunting trip and he is hungry. I like to eat. I can relate to that a little bit. I can relate to being hungry. But Esau makes a very bad bargain. He's hungry. He's not going to die. There's food at the house. There's food that can be cooked. But it's going to take a little more time than Esau would like. And so Jacob, who is there cooking a bowl of stew, says to Esau, when asked for a bowl of soup, Esau asked him, can I have some? He says, well, I will give you 
some food if you give me your birthright. That's a very poor bargain. The birthright was the right of the firstborn to get double what everybody else was going to get when the father died. The birthright was worth twice as much as the entire estate or, or that, that Jacob was going to get. And if I could put it in terms of this, if Jacob was going to get $100 when Isaac passes off the scene, then Esau is going to get $200. The reality is, though, it was much greater than that because they had a lot of flocks and they had a lot of herds and they had a lot of land. It's worth a whole lot of money. But because he was hungry, in the moment, he's hungry. In the moment, I can't wait 15 minutes or I can't wait 30 minutes. I can't wait an hour. I'm going to die right here of hunger. That he makes a bad exchange and he gives up his birthright. For a bowl of stew. He didn't value what he had. I would tell you this when it comes to the kingdom of God. or My question would be this. What value will you place on the kingdom? What will you give up for the kingdom? What will we give up the kingdom for? That if we're in the kingdom of God, what is out there that we would say, I will turn my back on the kingdom of God because of the fun or the excitement or this or that? What value do you place on the kingdom? Our text today is among a list of parables. In fact, I'll refer to one of the other parables later in the message, but... This is the first of a list of parables that Jesus gives about the kingdom. And as he gives this parable, once again, he says it this way, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. I assume from our text that this merchant is a pearl merchant. He's looking for pearls. He's looking for pearls that he can find and he can sell and he can make money. But Jesus takes and makes it a little bit different. He says this, this merchant, he finds a pearl of great price. Much greater than anything he was anticipating. Much greater than what he was looking for, much greater than his expectation. The Bible says he gave up everything. He sold everything for this one pearl. I would tell you that in the kingdom of God, and when it comes to the kingdom of God, it is worth giving up everything that we have in order to attain the kingdom of God. It's worth giving up everything and every sacrifice and everything that we have and everything we own, every freedom that we might have today that we celebrate. It's worth giving up all of that to enter into the kingdom. There is no thing that you can name that is worth the kingdom. In fact, I would tell you when we come to Jesus Christ in the beginning... 
that there is an element of where we are surrendering everything in that moment. That we're telling God in that moment, I will give up everything to follow you. Unfortunately, for many, it's, it's a short moment. And they get out of the moment, they get out of His presence, they get out of that encounter with Him, and they're like, I'm not sure I really want to give that up anymore. I'm not sure I want to, want to stay in the kingdom. But I would tell you, nothing is ever worth trading for the kingdom. Many people, they're off to the next great thing. I, I, I run a, into a lot of uh, serial entrepreneurs. And that's not entrepreneurs who are selling cereal. <laughs> but they're one business to the next, and they're constantly starting something, and they're always on to a new thing. And in one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the kingdom, you will never find anything greater. You will never find anything better. There is nothing worth the kingdom. If I could ask you this question today, what are you holding on to? What do you value more than the kingdom? Is it time? Is it fun? Is it education? Is it wealth? Is there anything that you value above the kingdom? And maybe... Because you're here today on a holiday weekend. That that question is moot and maybe there's nothing that you value more than the kingdom because you took your time on a holiday weekend when many people are traveling or many people are doing other things. You're here in God's house. But I would tell you the kingdom of God is worth giving up everything. Secondly, I would tell you that it is worth dying for. The kingdom of God is worth giving up your life. The reality is this, is that I know very few, if any, people that have really, people that I know personally that have ever given up their life for the kingdom. I know missionaries that have been in situations, and I know stories of missionaries who would give their life for the kingdom and for the gospel that they're preaching, and, but I don't know that I know anyone personally. This weekend, we are celebrating Memorial Day. We're celebrating and honoring and remembering those, not who just served, but those who gave their life for the freedom and the freedoms that you and I possess today. Memorial Day, originally called Decoration Day. From the early traditions, it was decorating graves with flowers and wreaths and flags. It's a day to remember those who died in service to our country, and it was first widely observed on May 30, 1868. The exact anniversary being tomorrow. It was initially started to commemorate the sacrifices of Civil War soldiers. During that first national commemoration, 
former Union General and sitting Ohio Congressman James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, after which 5,000 participants helped to decorate the graves of the more than 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers who were buried there at Arlington. This national event galvanized uh, efforts to honor and remember soldiers. It began with local observances at various burial grounds around the nation, and then it expanded. In 1873, uh, the state of New York was the first one, the first state to designate it as a legal holiday. After World War I, it became an occasion for honoring those who died in all of America's wars and was then made into a national holiday. So today we honor those who died and gave us our freedom. Many people, hundreds of thousands of people over the years have died to give us the freedoms that we have. And for that, we're grateful. But it wasn't just people dying for our freedoms, but dozens, hundreds, and thousands have died for their faith in Jesus Christ so that the gospel could still be spread in 2022. Ten of the eleven original apostles, after Judas passes from the scene, ten of the the remaining eleven were martyred for the kingdom. And the 11th, John, he was, they tried to kill him numerous times and he just wouldn't die. But they were willing to give, down, give their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And unless you wonder if the gospel is true, unless you wonder if what we have in the word of God is true, nobody dies for a lie. Nobody would give their life for something that they knew was not true. So these apostles who said they saw Jesus, they're not giving their life if they didn't really see him after the resurrection. But Jesus Christ was really resurrected from the grave, and Jesus Christ really ascended up into heaven, and Jesus Christ has really come to us in the form of the Spirit, and we can encounter him and experience him today. But is the kingdom worth dying for, for you. The famous story of a man named Polycarp. He was being taken into the arena to be martyred. The story is that a voice came to him from heaven and said, Be strong polycarp and play the man no one saw who had spoken but people heard the voice the proconsul who was overseeing this martyrdom asked him first are you polycarp and he said yes and he said you're an old man he said you sure you want to do this do you want to Deny Jesus instead. And his answer was this. Eighty-six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme the name of my king and my savior? 
The proconsul responded and said, I have wild animals here. I will throw you to them if you do not repent. Call them, Polycarp replied. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. I will be glad, though, to be changed from evil to righteousness. If you despise animals, I will have you burn, he threatened. To that, Polycarp replied with this, You threaten me with fire which burns for an hour, and it is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved from the ungodly. Why are you bring, waiting? Bring on whatever you want. I, I don't know that I could stand in the face of potential martyrdom with that kind of attitude, but I would tell you, that the kingdom is worth dying for if need be. That the gospel that you and I hold to and the, the gospel that you and I find in the word of God, it is worth dying for. Paul would write this in Romans. It said, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So whether I die at the stake or whether I, I'm burned or whether I'm fed to animals or whether I just get ran through with a sword, I'm willing to stand up and die for Jesus Christ because the kingdom is worth it. And if I'm not willing to die for the kingdom, then I would tell you this, and I'm not sure I'm fit for the kingdom. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to be martyred. But if Jesus Christ tarries his coming, and depending on what your eschatology is and when you believe the rapture is taking place, we could be in for a difficult time. Unless you don't have a broad enough understanding of this, I would tell you that there are thousands every day dying in other parts of the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just because it's not here doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So we maybe are, all men are most blessed because we're in the richest nation in the world and we have God's favor and blessing and we have more and abundance of all kinds of things and we've been protected, but there are people dying even today for their testimony of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I would tell you that the kingdom, it's worth living for. It's not just worth dying for, it's worth living for. What do I mean? If I could put it in terms of, of relationship, and I've probably said this to you before, but most men, they would die for their families. They would give up their life before they'd let someone kill their children. They would give up their life before they would let someone hurt their wives. But those same men who would be killed to protect their families... cheat on their spouses they'll live in a way that's dishonoring to their relationships 
They'll spend all of their time working and will never spend time with their kids. They'll die for them, but they don't really live for them. I'm willing to be the man if there's danger, but as long as everything is good, you're kind of on your own. Jesus, earlier in Matthew 13, would write, or would speak this. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the Good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, and some sixty, and some thirty. I would tell you that if we're not careful, we can become like the stony ground or the thorny ground. That we can start off hearing the word of God and receiving it. Excited about the kingdom and excited to be living for God, excited to be saved, and then life happens and time happens and memories fade and we forget where God has brought us from. And we forget why we came to God in the beginning and then we go on about our way. And the kingdom of God, instead of being that pearl of great price and that thing that we put everything into, just becomes one of many things that we do. And Jesus said, Satan snatching the word of God out of your heart or the cares of life choking it out. I would tell you it's worth living for. And it's not just giving everything at the beginning and that's all we do, but it's about giving everything all the time. That nothing in our lives should be more important than the kingdom of God. Nothing should be more valuable to us. That our lives should revolve around His kingdom. Work is secondary. Fun is secondary. Living the American dream is secondary. And even though I elevated the need to, to live with family and to take care of them, even family is secondary to the kingdom of God. That to the extent that anything comes and causes us to lose out with the kingdom or to value it less, all of that should be pushed away because the kingdom is worth living for. Can I get an amen? Fourthly, its value never changes. Gold and other precious stones, their values change due to supply and demand. 
I don't know what the current price of gold is. But it's a lot more than it was 100 years ago. As it became more difficult to uh, attain and more difficult to get, the value would go up. If you go to the gas prices, you know that oil constantly changes in value. It's for the cheapest thing. We're paying over $4 a gallon. When the supply is limited and the demand is high, the price goes up. When you buy a new car, which are, is becoming harder to do, you drive them off of the lot, and the old paradigm was this. If you drive that new car off of the lot, it's worth 20% less than when you got in it. It immediately will drop in value. We're in a time of major inflation right now. And just to let you know, I'm not clueless about what's going on. Inflation is driving the price of everything up. But the way it works, it's not because it's worth more. You just have to give more for it. In fact, we're getting further behind. Used vehicles are up some 25% or more because people can't get new ones. But I would tell you that the kingdom never loses its value. That its value is static that the longer you're in the kingdom it doesn't become less valuable it's not like your car and the more miles you put on and the more wear and tear it's just not worth as much anymore the kingdom doesn't lose its value there's not a new kingdom coming out next year that's going to drive the price of what you have down there is only one kingdom and its value stays the same but what i would tell you is this is that the longer that you and I are in the kingdom, it should become more precious to you and I. It's not that its value changes. It's not that we're getting to heaven any sooner or any better or we're getting a bigger mansion. None of that really matters. But what is important is this, is that the longer I serve Jesus Christ, the more I should realize how important and how much he has done for me. That the more I realize how far I am from him, and, and even though I'm far away from him, he loved me. And that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. And that the value I place on that should grow more. It's not because it's changing, but it's because my perception and my attitude and my understanding of what he has done changes. At the age of 11, I, I couldn't really tell you how much value there was in the kingdom. All I know is this, is that when I was 11, I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't understand all the nuances of that. I didn't understand my sin and how bad could I have been at 11. My mom might would say pretty bad, except I was the good child <laughs> until I was 13. So my understanding at 11, I, I valued the kingdom only for this, is I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. That was, only, that was my understanding. But at the age of 50, I understand a little bit more about where he brought me from. And even though I was 11 and I wasn't out killing people and murdering people, I wasn't out doing a whole lot of bad stuff, 
I was still lost and undone and in need of a Savior. And the more I realize and understand what the sacrifice of Jesus did on the cross, the more I value it and say, Lord, nothing is going to take me away from your kingdom. Nothing's going to pull me away because your kingdom is valuable. It should become more precious the longer we walk with him. And fifthly, it's a kingdom because there is I'm going to have the music go ahead and come. Jesus is not a king in name or title only. Jesus is not a king that has no power. I would venture to say that the king that you would see or the queen Maybe not the king, but the, the queen and the duke and the prince and or the princess. Not, not the princesses, but <laughs> the multiple male princes. That we see those in the news and they're in England. The British monarchy. Their royal family. But they have no real power. They have no real authority they can influence but they can't pass laws they can't demand anything we don't have a king like that we have a king who is king of kings and who is lord of lords and wherever the king is he is in charge that everywhere the king is he's ruling and what that means for you and I is this or maybe I should say you and me those grammar experts is that if we're in the kingdom we have a responsibility an obligation to listen to the king There really is no other choice. If you don't listen to the king, you're not really in the kingdom. If the king doesn't rule and reign in your heart, in your life, then you're not really in the kingdom. You can go through the motions. You can read your Bible. You can pray every day show up on Sundays but if he's not king you're not in the kingdom the kingdom of God is worth giving up everything it's worth dying for it's worth living for it's value never changes and ultimately it's a kingdom because there is a king. There are two kingdoms in this world. One is a temporary kingdom. One is a kingdom that if you're a part of it, you will, it 
will lead you to destruction and eternal damnation. The other kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus would say, the kingdom is here and it's within you. There were certain elements of what he would say and it's like the kingdom is now, but it's, it's not yet. That we can be in the kingdom, but he's not governing the kingdom fully right now. But when you get into his kingdom, it will end in an eternal life with Jesus Christ. It's not enough to say we're Christians. It's not enough to say Pentecostal. It's not enough to say we're apostolic. It's not enough to claim a label. But Jesus would say that the only way into the kingdom is to be born again. If you want to see the kingdom, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom, you must be born of water and you must be born of spirit. Nicodemus, if you're going to make it to heaven, there is no other way. You can't go to church enough, Nicodemus. You can't study the scripture enough, Nicodemus. But you must be born again born of water and born of spirit. Today we're going to celebrate two people being baptized in the name of Jesus. And born of water today. If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus by immersion, you have plenty of, of robes and towels make the decision that Jesus Christ is going to be king of your life. It's not enough for Jesus to be the king of your, your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife, but he's got to be your king as well. Jesus would say in Mark 8, as we stand together, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save him. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. My call to you today is this. Live every day in total commitment to the King. 
live every day in total commitment. Not just Sunday, not just Thursday, but every day in total commitment to the King. And secondly is this, to prioritize your life around the kingdom of God. Not around a job, not around sports, not around fun. Not even around family, but around the kingdom. Because the kingdom is more valuable than anything in this world or anyone in this world. What I would ask you today as they get ready to sing, if you're able, I would invite everyone, the crowd's a little down for this Memorial Day weekend, but would, would you, every person who's able, would you come around the front and would you make that commitment today that you're going to live for the King every day in total commitment and total surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you for those who, who are coming today. God, we love you. We love you, Jesus.